Hey everyone, welcome back to Digging Through Dominoes. I'm your host, Terry Anderson, and in this podcast, we dig through the dominoes of our past. How were they laid out? How did they fall? And how did they get us in the position we're in? It's only through examining them that we're going to be able to change the game. Today, I actually have a few things to talk to you about. Today, I was just hanging out in bed, and I came across some videos. Two from content creators that I watch quite regularly, and a new one. And I tell you what, these three videos really strongly hit on things I've been talking about. One of them is from Rebecca Zong. She's an attorney and a narcissist negotiator. Hmm. And then Dr. Romani, I think many of you probably know Dr. Romani, who is, her channel is on narcissism and all things narcissistic. And then the new creator that I just found, I'm not sure if this is a new creator or just new for me, and that is, let me look, on my paper, Jordy Universe. And I wanted to talk to you about bits and pieces of these three videos. All of these pretty much ring true with me, especially in regard to episode 22 of this podcast that spoke about uh, narcissism, gaslighting, projection, all of that in a situation that had happened to me personally, which, you know, I always try and put a little of me personally in here because I want people to see that there is a face. You're not alone. There are people with you that have gone through it. They know what you're talking about. But the first thing I want to talk about is today is September 14th. That is the official date 15 years ago today that my father was declared dead. He actually died the night before after my brothers and I had spoken to him on the phone. It was quite extraordinary. Maybe someday I'll do an episode on that because the way that all came together was pretty remarkable. And I was, I was on Facebook last night. I'm just going to kind of chill out here and get comfortable on my table and my chair I was on Facebook last night, and you know how the memories pop up? Pictures of my dad started popping up. And this is what I find interesting. With pictures of my father, I can look at his pictures for hours. And I found myself doing that with one last night, especially it was one that was taken the night of my mother's funeral. And it was as if dad was staring right at me. And I just, I just looked at it for probably an hour, just thinking and wondering and being thankful that I had those, I think it was 436 days after the death of my mother to form a relationship with my father that had never been present. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I come from a childhood that is from abandonment, neglect, neglect, and childhood abuse. And it, 
it was always really hard for me to reconcile my love for my parents with the reality of how I had been brought up. My father was sort of this figure in my mind that was bigger than life. Yes, he made huge mistakes. As I look back, when I was a kid, I thought they were normal. Dad's job was as a corporate pilot, as you know, and he would abandon us every month. And he was only home maybe two to three days a month, maybe. And so that constant abandonment, leaving us with a woman that we loved, but didn't, didn't have the ability to show me she loved or cared for me. So that was, you know, that was really hard. And I can't look at my mother's pictures right now. I haven't been since she died, and that was in 2006. I can glance at them, but I really can't look at them. That's telling me I've got some more work to do around my mom and some healing. Would I like to have her back? Oh, my gosh, yes, I would. But I don't think I would be able to work on my relationship with my mother as I was with my dad. My mother was very closed off. But dad, after my mother died, he changed. He softened. He realized how important he was in our lives and how he wasn't there and how things happened and how he allowed things to happen. And in those 436 days with my dad, it was the best time of my life with my father. We talked, we laughed, we finished building his house, we went to Starbucks, we talked on his his ham radio to people out in the middle of the ocean. We did all these incredible things. And it was so incredibly healing. And I think that's why I can look at his pictures today and I cannot look at those of my mother. I was given a gift in my mother's death. And that was the relationship with my father. I really wish that they were both here. On the other hand, I'm glad that I'm, I'm healing from the trials, the tribulations, the traumas of my childhood. I feel it's making me a much better person. Because after dad died, 2007, as you know, I completely lost it. I went off grid. I mean, totally out of, out of touch with reality of any kind it seems as I look back on it I was lost you know these people that I had tried to get love and affection from for what 44 45 years were gone and there was no repairing anything at that point but as I said I did have that time with my dad 13 months um, a little bit more than 13 months my mother died in in July my dad died in September so I had that time with dad I spoke to him multiple times a day which I had never done in my life and in 2007 I would have been 45 years old I had never spoken to my father on the phone rarely had a conversation with him but during that time without my mom dad wanted me there And I am so thankful. It was as if 
that relationship healed. My dad owned some things. I owned things. He and I were able to speak of things that we had never spoken of before mom died. And I am so, so grateful for that. And it's hard to believe, my gosh, it's been 15 years. You know, I think one of the biggest things last night in looking at my dad's photographs, or the one photograph, I guess, mainly, was when I was looking at him, and it's as if he was looking back at me. I saw my dad, but I didn't see the dad that abandoned me. I didn't see the dad that looked the other way when things happened. When I looked at the, those pictures last night, especially the one the night of my mother's funeral, what I saw was a man that had traumas of his own and did the best he could. Dad was 69 when he died. Mom was 65. And in their era, you didn't get therapy. You didn't get help. Basically, you did what my dad did. You drank and you sucked it up. Dad didn't know where to turn, what to do. Neither of them did. And I think that realization for me that what happened to me wasn't intentional. I know that they had good intentions for what they did most of the time, especially my dad. But it just always, it didn't always work. They had absolutely no roadmap to parent. None. And I... I'm not sure if my brothers, I'm pretty sure if my brothers, my brothers um, suffered as well as I did, because I can see them. I can see the one that's very quiet, very withdrawn, and has been in and out of um, depressions since, since as long as I can remember. And I see the other one that has acted out in other ways. And it breaks my heart that I don't know if they have even looked in this, into this or not, and it's really none of my business. That's their story, and that's their job to do if they choose to do it. But for me, I can see the way it affected all three of us. And I see, or I saw, after my dad sat there with me crying after mom died, telling me he finally understood what he should have been doing all along, and how he cried when he asked if we remembered or if I remembered my childhood. That he tried to do his best and he knew he failed. So that, that was a wonderful, warm time with my father. And on the official anniversary, 15th anniversary of his death, that's something I wanted to address with everyone, I guess mainly for myself and anyone that may be going through things with their parents, realize they're doing the best they can. Your parents have traumas that most likely they aren't even aware of or don't know how to get help with. And they're not going to be there forever. As I found out, my mother was taken in an instant. And my father, we had, had told us that after he had finished my mother's house, he was going to be joining her. So it, my, my dad's death was not unexpected, but it still came way too soon, especially, you know, for me. The next thing I wanted to talk to you about was 
Rebecca Zung in a video of hers I watched today. If you don't know who Rebecca Zung is, she is an attorney and she is also a narcissist negotiator. I watch her videos from time to time and today she had one that was entitled Weird Things Only Narcissists Do. And boy, these hit home for me with several people. The first one that she talked about was they value the opinion of strangers and other people over their partner or their target. I have experience with that. It's painful, it's cutting, and it destroys your identity. It, just, it destroys all kinds of things. And I thought it was really interesting that that was one of her topics because I see that almost on a daily basis, or I should say I feel that on almost a daily basis. And it is, it's horrible. And her explanation for that was when they value the opinions and the thoughts, the ideas of people that are not their target, their inner circle, those people get excited and therefore heap praise upon the narcissist. It's sort of like a love bombing phase before you've been taken in by the narcissist. And it's a huge form of flattery for them is her explanation. The second one was they tend to ruin holidays, birthdays, etc. For their partner or supply. And her reasoning was they don't like others having their attention on anyone but them. Now, I can personally speak of that with holidays, birthdays. Part of that, I think, is my own expectation of the way growing up and what I expect. And I think part of it is exactly what she said. The attention part is not, is going somewhere else. It's not being divided. It's on that one person. And I have a, a very long history of difficult birthdays, different, difficult holidays, difficult, all of those things. And it's just, it was validating, I guess, to see that she had this on her list. Another thing that happened, and this will also go back and link to episode 22, and that is looking through your stuff when you're not around. That happened to me. I think I mentioned that in episode 22 about the scapegoating, uh, the projection and all of that. My computer had been gone through. My phone had been gone through. They were able to get my password somehow, my fingerprint and facial ID and go through my phone, my pat, my MacBook, my iPad, my personal belongings. And that is such a horrible feeling of betrayal and just invasion. And that is so fresh in my mind. That is why that relationship ended is when I found out for sure. And something really interesting, I went to send my son 
some money on Zell. And this person that I was in a relationship with, this narcissist, was on my app, my Zell app, as a recipient. Now, she died almost a year ago. And I haven't used that app in so long. I tell you, after after I left there, it took me a better part of a year, maybe longer, to get her removed from all of my credit cards, to get her removed from my medical accounts, to get her removed from my banking information. And it kept popping back up. And I don't know how it kept, well, I do know how it kept popping back up, but it was just, it was so annoying. And then to realize that she had been logged into my computer the entire time because I didn't take the time to check made me feel like a freaking idiot. But it explained a lot of things. So that was that was something else about going through. And this second one, I mean, this next one hit me with her as well. And that was they mirror you. Narcissists will mirror you. And I noticed this sort of in the beginning. I always get manicures, pedicures, and I always get, for probably the last 10, 12 years, black polish. My favorite, it's my go-to, I'll probably never change. One of the things Rebecca Zung was talking about, when they mirror you and they copy you, it's a way of pulling you into the web. It's a way that we're, it's something that they've done to get you in the first place. And I can remember, I've got pictures of it. I think one of the first or second times I went to have my nails done after this relationship started, she went with me and she had never worn polish and she had her, she had a pedicure and a manicure and she had black polish on her toes and her fingernails. And I remember the feelings like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I didn't realize that what was being done at that time. I can say the same thing for my photography and her interest in my photography. The interest she took in so many of my things, my skincare routine. When she was a sun worshiper, no sunscreen, but she wanted to know about my skincare routine and wanted me to teach her about my skincare routine. All of these different things, I can look back and see, oh my gosh, Rebecca Zong, you're like spot on with this because that happened. And now this, this, this last one, uh, I, I, I didn't pull all of the ones from her. I just pulled a few. Continually threaten to leave you, but don't. They keep you hanging on. Or on the other part of that, is they compare you to an ex, which I was compared to one of um, her exes constantly in a very, very favorable way until it was over. And then it was like, blah, 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 it wasn't as horrible as you were. And it was like, that's really funny because that's not what you said to me this entire time. And now, and something I'm going to add on, I... Well, I'll do that with this next one. The next video that I watched was from Dr. Romney. 
and the title of it was When the Narcissist Paints You as Unhinged. Episode 22, I have the receipts of being painted as unhinged. It was a lot of gaslighting. It was a lot of projection. It's exactly what was happening. Dr. Romney's video, though, it made me view things in a different way. She was talking about the emotions you feel when you are the one that has been the victim of this narcissist and they are trying to goad you into reacting more. And she's, she's talking a lot about, and this is what I did. I didn't want to react. I didn't want to see anyone see me react because I did not want her to have the satisfaction of seeing me upset. Dr. Romney is talking about societally, we are not good at letting people express their emotion. And therefore, we're negating what they're feeling, what they've gone through, what they've experienced by not allowing them to speak. Now, there were a couple of people, there were two people that I did speak with pretty extensively, besides my therapist, about everything that happened. You know, I was being very maligned. There was a huge smear campaign going on. And like I said, in episode 22, there are the receipts, the texts of that, that I read off of the things that were being said. But I was in a situation where she was pretty prominent at one time, blues singer in the Portland area, and used that as her, it was kind of her crutch. It, it was what gave, it was her feel good. It, it, it was her drug of choice. Even though she had burned some bridges and sort of faded through the year she held on to that because that was one of the things that really gave her meaning and purpose and a feeling of being superior to those around her. The other night I was at an event and I was looking at everyone that was there and it was one of the times I really realized I'm looking at these people, many of them that spoke openly after her death and I'm thinking, you have no idea what she said about you. She totally trashed you guys and then played like she was your best friend. And I re it really hurt me. And I went up to one of the women there, one of the other blues vocalists who's freaking amazing. And I asked her, I said, please judge me on me and not on things you've heard from other people. And we had a really nice conversation and, I, and it was very genuine, very warm. And, you know, I did. I had a real, real struggle with this for over a year. I think I left that situation in May of 2020. And even now I am not healed from that and the things that happened. She was without a doubt one of the greatest loves of my life and one of the best friends of my life. She made me love myself. She made me feel good about myself and she healed wounds 
whether she meant to or not, that were left from my childhood. Dr. Romani is, is talking about, you know, I felt so angry and so isolated. And Dr. Romani is talking about those feelings are totally normal. And society tries to pathologize anyone that wants to speak out or have those feelings as, don't do that, don't do that. So Dr. Romani is talking here a lot about how they paint you as being unhinged. And in this situation where she felt that she had this prominence in the community and didn't want me to be in the community, that's exactly what happened. Man, that was hard. I really tried to stay above everything. I didn't want to get in the mud. I didn't want to say anything bad about her. But Dr. Romney makes a pretty good point when she talks about them painting us as unhinged. It's a way, uh, it's projection, it's gaslighting, and it's a way for them to stay in control of you and the situation to isolate you. It's interesting. The main reason that relationship ended come, goes back to one of the things Rebecca Zung said about going through your things through your computer, and that's what had happened. And I was really hurt. I was really betrayed, and I felt, I just felt like I had been set up. A lot of little things started adding up for me, and I left. And it wasn't taken well. And one of the things Dr. Romney really hit on for me that, that kind of made a difference and made me look at things a bit differently was she talks about how society makes us or it criticizes us if we want to talk about that. But that talking about the, that hurt, that immense hurt, that pain, the torment you're going through, just from the breakup of the relationship coupled with the fact that they are painting you as this completely unhinged person to everyone is excruciating. And at that time, I made the, the decision I didn't want to talk to anyone about it, as I said. And so I just talked to a couple of people who really helped me through this because I couldn't understand, first, why she was saying the things she was saying, Second, why some of the things that were done were done. I was bewildered. I was very naive when I went into this relationship. And I, I needed to believe in someone. I needed for someone to believe in me. She saw that. She did that and proceeded to destroy me. Episode 22. But one of, you know, like I said, one of the things Dr. Romani did was she validated my feelings of anger, hurt, and frustration. Dr. Romani says, being angry is a normal reaction. You love them. And when it's over, the normal reaction for us is to be hurt and angry, which was really validating for me. Of course, you're going to be hurt and angry. But she goes on to talk about the need to have someone to express these emotions too, and how society shuts us down to something that is our 
story. She's not talking about being vengeful. She's not talking about lying, gaslighting, getting back at anyone. She's saying that the narcissist made this part of your story when they chose to do this to you. So it is our story to tell. But it's really difficult, especially for me, to do that because a lot of the people that we knew in common, I knew that she held, I didn't know the reason, well, I thought I knew the reasons that she held the stronger suit of cards, the stronger hand of cards with that. But it turns out it was com something completely different. But I didn't want to smear her to anyone. I am very grateful for what happened. But for Dr. Romney to come on with this video is it was just so validating. She says, no one in this situation would just be chill. And that's what I was having a hard time doing was just, I, it consumed me. I thought about it day and night. I thought about how could I have been so gullible? How could someone I thought I loved be so cruel and make up such vicious lies but that's what narcissists do. They want to hold the power. They want to look like the, the one in control. They don't want to be tarnished in any way. And so that's what happens. And we're, we're sitting here as the victims or the survivors feeling horrible. Why are we ruminating? Why are we missing? Why are we crying about? Why are we so angry with this person that's just tried to destroy our lives? And why do we feel the need to keep it quiet? Dr. Romney says, having real and powerful emotions around their actions, it's normal, it's human, and it's normal to express your feelings. You know, but who was I going to talk to besides my therapist? Because, you know, I can see very much how it would have been seen as slinging mud. And I just, I really did not want to do that. And this is where she says, when they betrayed your trust, it became part of your story. As your story, it is okay to tell your story. The narcissist brought us to that point in our lives. So I think it goes back to that, that saying that, if you wanted me to speak better about you in my story, you should have behaved better. I'm not for dissing anyone. I'm, I'm certainly not for, you know, I can't stand the negativity online. I can't stand this stuff. But then I felt so attacked with nowhere to go. And it, it, it's, I think a lot of you may know it's an excruciating, horrible, horrible feeling. Dr. Romney goes on to say, people have to express their, express their emotions. She believes society continues to pathologize that those that show emotion. You know, my fears, the way I handled everything was my choice. I didn't know what else to do. And thinking about it again... It was a real sticky situation because anyone I wanted to talk to or if I felt comfortable speaking with, I couldn't because of being mutual friends. I didn't realize at the time that most of them had the same problems that I had had in different ways. 
a lot of bridges had been burned. And I didn't realize that at the time. And even if I had realized that, I don't think I would have spoken out except with my therapist and a couple of friends because I really don't want to be seen or have my words misconstrued. I think that's why this podcast and my YouTube channel are so crucial because you can see what I say. Yes, you can take it out, you can edit it, and you can do whatever, but the original is going to be there and you can see what's coming from my mouth. It's not a third-party situation. Dr. Romney went on in her video to say that the invalidation of the, the target, the, the victim, is one of the most cutting elements I have ever witnessed in people going through narcissistic relationships that end badly. Wow, to hear her say that, you know, I have so much respect for her anyway, but to hear her say that was very validating because like I said, I think we're taught a lot of times that emotion just isn't good. And heck, that's the way I grew up. We couldn't have emotion. So this was extremely torturous for me. She goes on to say that too many people these days are still uncomfortable with emotion. And there are too many people out there telling people like me and you, if you've been through it, to chill, take the high road, which I would also agree with. You don't want to slander. You don't want to throw mud. You don't want to degrade anyone. But your story is yours to tell. And the narcissist gave that story to you. It's just stick to the truth. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm really conflicted about this. I'm glad that she said this, but I don't know. I guess the fear of retaliation is so strong with me that I would still be afraid. You know, there were, a, like I said, a couple of people I trusted. And as time went on, I would let a couple of more things out with, with different individuals. But it, it's still a very touchy situation. Dr. Romney also says that she thinks the advice of telling survivors to chill isn't such great advice. She said, you're hurt. Why would you take it, the smack talk? You're heartbroken. You have to have a way to vent. It's human to feel emotions. And if you shut those down, you get what happened to me most of my life. You get what happened to my parents she said, but it happened to you and it hurt you. And she goes on to talk about how the narcissistic relationship is already a denial of your reality. It stole your sense of self, your identity, and your emotional world was destroyed by the actions of this other person. But the world always says, be quiet. Thank goodness I had a therapist because literally there was no one I could turn to and you know, it's, it's been over two years since I left that situation, and it still is with me every day. Dr. Romney says that part of healing is allowing yourself to live and feel fully. And I didn't do that. I think that's why it's, it's so difficult for me, you know. It just is all wrapped up in feeling foolish. Why, how, why didn't I see this happening to 
how could someone do this to another person? Dr. Romani goes on to say that anyone that pathologizes normal reactions to what happened to you and your emotional response is gaslighting and a person is gaslighting a person that's going through something real. My gosh, that that just covers so many areas of my life. So if they're telling you to be quiet about it, they're basically telling it's gaslighting. They're telling you it didn't exist. Your your feelings mean absolutely nothing. And I think we all know, you know, if we don't get our feelings out, things ain't going to go well. She says, when you're going through it, it hurts. You need time to grieve. Don't cancel your emotions because you're being shamed for them. That, again, is like a daily thing in my life. She says, strength comes from being real with yourself. You don't need to hide. Someone else did you wrong. You need to process it and you need to talk about it. You need to experience the feelings. The other one made this part of your story. And your story is necessary. She says, you expressing your emotions is crucial. And the one that shames you for your feelings are the people that may not be healthy for you. And I think that's something I need to really remember and keep in mind is that the people that shame me for my emotions or having the feelings I have, they don't have my best interests at heart. And that's something I really need to look at and examine. Now, now, for this new gem of a discovery this morning, my gosh, so the name of this, co- this channel is Geordie Universe. What caught my eye was the title. And then it was only a, like a minute and 43 seconds. I thought, I'm going to watch this. You know, I don't have the greatest attention span at times. But the title was, To You, A Year From Now. You know, and as I said, it was only a minute and 43 seconds, but my gosh, how eloquent, how impactful of a statement. It's like, where has this person been all my life? This person needs to be my, well, no, I've got a great therapist, but you know, you could always use great friends. And I'd love to get, get um, Jordy Universe on the podcast for an episode. But the subject, the subject of this, this YouTube video was, what if? The episode, the the uh, video talked about it's easy to lose track of time during everyday life. You know, we've all been there. We mean to get to lunch, get to lunch that lunch date with someone, and then a year goes by, and then something happens. And the biggest takeaway was this for me was the question: What if? What if we dedicate one year of our life to something meaningful? It could be anything, but what if? What if we do that? Where do you think your life will be? How could you feel? But what if? And they kept repeating, what if? 
And I think that's crucial because really, what if tonight or tomorrow something happens to one of my kids? Something happens to one of my family members. Something happens to one of my friends. And I didn't make that step in between. What if? What if? Where do you think your life will be? How could you feel? But what if? It could be difficult, but what if? No one knows the outcome, and you'll never know unless you try. What does your life look like one year from now? You know, I subscribed. As soon as I saw that, I subscribed to this channel and commented on this video. Those two little words are so impactful. And the video itself is very, very eloquent. It's very compelling. And it really is extremely thought-provoking. There are so many things in our lives that we could say, what if? What if I decide to cancel my motorcycle trip and stay home? What could I miss? What if? I don't start looking for property to build another house on it and get out of this state. What if? Where am I going to be in a year if I don't start something now? What could happen if I don't focus on my photography? What could happen if I do focus on my photography? What can happen if I focus strictly on my podcast? What's going to happen if I don't focus on my podcast? What if I don't focus on the relationships I have now? What if I do focus on the relationships I have now? I tell you, this channel, I'm going to have to look into it more thoroughly. It's been one of those crazy days. But just that question, what if? And the way the video is made, there's just really something about it that struck a chord with me. And I think you guys would probably benefit if you do check out this channel, Jordy Universe. Leave a comment for them. Show them some page love. And instead of using my Digging Through Dominoes channel, let them know that the tattooed biker chick sent you that way. I mean, my gosh, I just keep staring at this and, and the video just keeps going through my mind. What if? And that, that brings up, I mean, that one question, that one simple question brings up so many other questions. In the past, we can't focus on the past. We need to focus on dedicating a period of time in our future to something we're passionate about. What can it do? What would happen if you did that? What if? Jordy Universe, I want to thank you for that video. Very thought-provoking I would love to have you as a guest on the podcast. You can find my email address in the about section 
or in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. But my gosh, how powerful, how powerful what if is. That's a question that can really rock someone's world for the better. You know, I know the past is past, but I can't help but think of what if 10 years ago the city of Portland actually helped me get custody over my severely mentally ill son. I have a lot of what ifs about that. Would he be alive now? Would he be playing guitar in my friend's bands? Would he be cooking? Would I still see that smile? What if Portland only did what any decent person, compassionate person would do? What if? But we're not talking about the past. We're talking about the future and your future. What do you have in your life? that you can ask the question, what if I, what if this? Dream, people. It can change your life. Thank you so much for hanging through with me on this. I think I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks off. I have a motorcycle ride. I'm getting ready to go on. And times aren't really going to coincide. I may try to get another podcast episode uploaded before I leave. But that's not looking possible at this point in time. If not, I will be back as soon as I can. And if so, I'll see you then. You guys have a fantastic rest of the week. A wonderful weekend. And tune in soon. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.